Hello, I am Kamau Iruri and this is The Kenyanist, a podcast where we explore Kenya's social and political issues. In this episode, I speak to Billion Ojiwa, a community mobilizer and the founder of the Billion Music Family, a community-based organization that operates in Madare, one of Nairobi's informal settlements. We discuss how Billion's childhood experiences and musical talent created the pathway for him to engage in this community development work. We also explore some of the work that the Billion Music Family is doing at the community level as well as the efforts, his own efforts, to get elected as a member of parliament for Madari. Our discussions on these topics are a good follow-up to my earlier discussions with Tom Boyer in the second episode on the cost of politics in, in Kenya. The conversation with Billion is also a good follow-up to my uh, previous discussion with, with Ken Opalo on the management of constituency development fund and what those funds do in terms of financing development at the local level. You may enjoy listening to the previous episodes and you may find that they give a good background to the discussion that Billion and I have in this episode. Having said that, I hope you enjoy the discussion. Uh, welcome Billion to the Kenyanist. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, glad to be here again, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think the um, the audience might be wondering why again, but this is just to say we have tried to record this episode several times and we've had some difficulties, but hopefully this time it, it works out. Anyway, um, so our conversation today is about um, you as a community mobilizer or a community organizer. Um, I, I want us to understand as, um, as Kenyans what really goes into, into the work of being a community mobilizer. Um, so, you know, let's start with you telling me how did you become a community organizer or community mobilizer? Uh, thank you so much. I think, first of all, a community organizer or a community mobilizer means uh, you identify uh, challenges uh, after identifying the challenges and trying to look for solutions for the challenges. And, and that is done locally. So looking for, you know, local solutions. So that is what uh, a community mobilizer does. So for me, I joined, I became a community mobilizer uh, because I wanted to make a difference in my community. and and. And so uh, I, I started an organization that, you know, brings together, you know, brainstorm uh, some of the challenges that are going on in the community and, and, and coming up with, with, with solutions that can help us in a small way or the other yeah, change um, our community. So so that is how I became a community challenger. But, you know, I <coughs> I just didn't start from nowhere. I, I, I am a, I'm an artist. I'm a rapper, uh, I'm a singer, but I retired one now. Yeah, so so I used to just sing. I used to be an activist trying to sing about, you know, the local uh, challenges and even solutions. So generally, that is what uh, I do as a community mobilizer. Okay, and, and when you say your community here, just to be clear, we are talking about, um, about Madare. Um, in particular, and and why is it that you're working 
you're working in Madare and, and, and not anywhere else? Yeah, uh, I am working in Madare, yeah. you know, it's called Madare Republic, yeah. Yeah, so I, I do this because that is my hood. Uh, I was born and raised in Madare. Uh, I was also raised in the village. So so that is where, you know, uh, where I've lived all my life. So that is where I know as, 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 as home. So So any problem that I used to face as a child uh, are some of the problems you're facing now. So I wanted to, as a generation, I wanted to make sure that my generation, there are few challenges that we attack also that the coming generations can find it easier or, or can, can, can live positively from, you know, the sacrifices that we made as, as a generation. So yeah, Madara is my, my community. I grew up there. Uh, uh, my, my mother and my father, my mother used to live in Madare. My father was a teacher in the village. So I, I, I lived both, both lives. So, but I, I resonate more with 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 Madare because that's why. So even tell I me about now, your, your music of, career. How did but you I'm, I'm still a um, set up? You know, becoming a musician, and you know, how long did this last? You're still young, so I'm wondering how you know why and when did you retire? Yeah. Uh, so I I started my music career uh, in a group called Madare Roots Youth Group. Uh, so I can say professionally, but when I was in high school, uh, I was part of a music group. It, it was called an anti-AIDS group. So we'd sing, we'd rap about, you know, the AIDS. By then, AIDS was the the in thing. So everything we were writing, we were performing was about AIDS. But now, after high school, when I when I came out, I started living with my auntie, uh, just next to Madare. Isili, the, we still call it Madare, but it was the first street of. Of 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 uh, obviously, so I joined Madare Roots Youth Group, and and uh, at Madare Youth Group uh, Roots Youth Group, we formed a group of three guys. So all of us were rappers, and one of us was a, was a, was a, was a singer. So through that, we were able to try and record music. But I remember this is a funny story because as many of the the two of us were rappers, and then the one guy was a singer. So there's a day Lolani Kalu, he used to work for NTV, came to shoot a video in Madare. So when he came to shoot a video in Madare, we told him, because there were no studios, the recording studios, we told him that we are artists. I, I still encounter that a lot, and, and I don't take it for granted when I meet artists and say, who say they are artists, because that is what opened the doors for us. So Lolani took us to a studio in Gong Road, uh, just trying to help us do a song for free. So we went for the first time, the first day, uh, the guy who was singing chorus didn't come, didn't show up because he was at a graphic school. Uh, and the host was so good, the producer was good, he made us some, some fish. So we ate fish and left. The second day, the second time we came back again, uh, the guy didn't show up. So the guy made us fish, we had fish. Uh, the third time we came again, uh, because any, nothing could be done without the chorus guy because he's the one who you know makes sure that he's the one who the music is built around them so the th third time we went back and uh when we went the guy opened the door and said is the other guy here we said no he said no today i'm not giving you fish go back to madare so so we were not able to get that deal uh then again another artist came to madare who was lolani Kalu's friend uh general onyx so when general onyx came to shoot a video 
I approached him again and said, you know what, I am an artist. I would really love to go to the studio and I don't have money. So after completing his project in Madare, he took me to a studio which was in town. Uh, and then, then I had a cousin who was, she had never sung anywhere, but she had a good voice. So I took her as a, as a chorus lady uh to see to help me do the chorus so so yeah so that is how I, I i did my first song and then after doing the first song i i got a job uh, a promotion job uh to promote uh, cigarettes in clubs so i used to go to the clubs with my song and give out the song in, in clubs it used to be called natamani so a lot of guys in in the, in the hood used to know me as natamani so, so that was the beginning of my my music career. Uh, then after that, now with that song, you're able to get to a studio, and then if they listen to something that you've done, it's easier for them to connect. So I would save, uh, go to a studio, do a song. Uh, I think one of the things that made me start the Billion Music Family was there's a day that I went to a studio, and uh, while we were working, and the producer did the song for me within 30 minutes and gave it to me. Say. That is there you go that is your project so i don't know if i was a good artist i don't know if i was a bad artist but i really wanted now to create a platform for the coming generations to to be able to enjoy some of the things that we didn't enjoy so i started the billion music family meeting at uh, a school hall uh kiboro primary school <coughs> classroom <coughs> on sundays and and yeah with the time now here we are uh, i have retired uh because there's a there's a generation that I that are doing better than me that needs my support, uh, undivided attention. That's why. Okay, so um, tell me a bit more about um, you know, why you decided to to make that leap. You see, so you're moving from giving up your own career, music career, in a sense, in order to to support and build others, um, and and working to build a, a broader um sort of you know programmatic approach to solving those problems in 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 Madari, right because i mean music is a big deal like if we if i look at for instance in in nairobi some of the most successful um people who've come from the informal settlements have been those people who've got you know talent of some kind um why would you give up your own career in order to build others or or you know explain that to me like what is the what motivated you to move beyond your own career to uh, to look at at more community engagement issues uh <clears throat> so if you look you know when you're going to school we we always told you know there are only three things that can get you out of, of the ghettos so one is education so y- you must be extremely smart extremely smart you'll get scholarships you get all that and then you can get out of the ghetto because all of us were working towards getting out of that life uh, the second thing uh, is talent so talent the first talent is football so everybody in the slums play football we all play soccer and then the third one is now the music uh the which i was in i was playing football but i loved music more but now the challenge with music is now you have to get to a recording studio. You know, football, they are football fields. You don't need to have sophisticated equipment to to play football. You just have to show up. Yeah, so now for music, for you to be a musician, 
uh, you ask if you've been to a studio, if you've recorded anything. That's how you know we we you are you are considered an, an artist. So for me, I think it's the struggle that I went through. It's the madarao that I also went through when the producer did a song for me for less than an hour, uh, and I paid him. Uh, so I just wanted to create a, a soft a softer landing spot for for other coming generations because if you walk in Madare, a lot of kids, you know, they rap, the freestyle and all that. So I need to get a space where uh, I can bring these kids together. I can I can create a softer landing uh, spot for them and, and, and they are able to, to grow as musicians and go to school too. So, so that was my dream, uh, support music and education. So the Billion Music family was founded under entertainment so it's education and entertainment so you go to school and you do music but as, as we also do uh educative music edu music that educates the the, the the community so i gave up that because i i knew that you know for me as as a teenager i the space wasn't there for me i think the coming generations if they were well molded, they would do better than me, and 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 that is exactly what I've, 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 uh, I've, we have achieved as a, as an organization. And and you told me earlier that um, as you were rapping in in um, in Madare, there were some children who used to follow you around um, as well. You know, joining in 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 the rap. Tell me a little bit about about this as well. Yeah, so you know, after recording my my first song Natamani, I think the kids in Madare know two of my songs. One is Natamani, and the other one is My Baby. So, so, I, <laughs> so, so they nicknamed me My Baby. Some nicknamed me Natamani, and you know they were so keen to the music because there were not many artists from Madare who had recorded music. So I was lucky enough during that time there was uh, Slam TV. So Slam TV would do stories around uh, the challenges that are affecting the community in Madare, and then they do public screenings. So I would get a platform to perform during the public screening. And I, I think that is where I used to get my, my first money, which was money for airtime, yeah? Uh, and while I was doing that, uh, because it used to be in different public spaces, and the kids would come. So over the time they mastered, they they crammed all the lyrics. So you'd sing and you let them just sing along. Some of these songs were not so clean. So I just wanted to make sure that I give them the space where they can sing their clean music. Uh, because when I started, I started singing love songs. Yeah, so so yeah, so that is how I chose the first uh, best six uh, kids that were that were singing along the lines. And we started doing freestyles, and then I, I taught them how to, you know, how to write music. We went to the studio, we recorded our first song, we recorded the second song. I, I hustled to get interviews for them on TV, even uh, newspapers. And, you know, for them it was easier because they were kids. So even if they were not doing it well, people would be like, oh, but they're kids. So so I knew with that... Um, empathy sympathy uh it would be easier for them to make it uh unlike for me whom you know i was i had to compete to the standards that were that were there for for for, for the adults yeah um so tell me a bit more about about billion music family so the as i understand it this is the name of the organization that you created 
Um, so without necessarily repeating what you've just what you've told us already is how did you get to the point of creating this organization, um, the Billion Music Family? Uh, uh, thanks. So the Billion Music Family is a community-based organization uh, operating in Madare and its environs. So I just created the organization so that we could have a legal entity that you know supports what we are doing. Because if you look at informal settlements, there are many organized groups, and 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 some of these organized groups are not are not uh, pushing for positive things. So we really didn't want to get in trouble with the with the police. We just have you know for them to know that you know what we are doing is legal, uh, and 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 that we the government knows that we exist. So I started the Billion Music Family Resource and Leadership Center to to be a safe space where we can have different uh, activities happening. So at the at the Billion Music Family Center, we have you know the talent development where we have music classes in in schools uh, around Madare, and we also have music classes in children's homes around Madare, which we're still doing up to date. Uh, because we just wanted to make sure that our kids have skills they can play instruments they can sing they can dance uh and then also the billion music family we have a a, a program for disabilities because this was a challenge uh, a lot of of kids especially who have uh disabilities are locked in by their parents when they're going to work so we wanted to make sure that they're out and 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 living a life as as any other kid so we have uh, at our resource center we have you know, a daycare for them, uh, so the parents can bring them, they can have food, they can play, they can watch TV, they can watch cartoons, so that they can also live um, a normal life. And then the parents also have an opportunity to to go and work without worrying that, you know, when there's a fire outbreak, their kids might burn, because we have we've had such cases where parents lock their kids in, and, you know, in Madara, you have fire outbreaks anyhow, anytime. So... So we have that. Then we have a skills development uh, program too. So we have we have mothers who are doing tailoring. We have uh, youth and women who are who are, who are engaged in cell phone repair and 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 so on and and and, and so forth. Uh, and also the center is is just an you know a space for the community. Anybody who has anything positive that wants to do, uh, we have a, a, a safe space for all. We have our library, which supports education. So, so the library is mainly to <clears throat> to offer space for kids to do their assignments, their homeworks uh, in time. And we have also the books. We also at the center have digital uh, learning, so the kids have you know tablets. They can do the assignments on the tablet. Tablets are also part of that. Of that, that they can also they earn points, uh, and they can redeem the points to to own a tablet they can redeem points to buy to 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 get money to buy school related uh uh stuff one of the things i think you're you're most well known for um is the the feature uchi campaign um i want you to say a little bit about this how how did it come about and and how how did it operate yeah, so the feature uchi, I think I have schools that they that the, the students call me Mr. Feature uchi. Even if I tell them my name a hundred times, they still call me Mr. Feature uchi. So, yeah, so 
Pichauchi was an initiative that I started because one uh, of the challenges that are, that we go through in Madare, uh, some of us went to school with torches, you know, the uniforms that are torn uh, beyond repair. Yeah, so the parents have repaired it and repaired it, and they, but they still feel they, they still have life. So, so I wanted to create a, a, a space where, or a, a, an initiative where, you know, we can restore the dignity of these kids. We can restore the confidence of these kids. Um, we can restore the self-esteem of these kids because when you have a torn school uniform, you're not even able to answer, uh, go in front and, you know, do assignments or answer questions. So, so that is why I started the billion. The, I started the Fichauchi campaign is just to restore, and it's because I also went to school with the torches. Yeah, so many parents don't even recognize it. Uh, it's something that we all overlook uh, because even in the schools that we provided uniforms, when you call the parents, they when we try to break it down for them, not all of them are not able to give to to provide the uniforms. But now, since it's been a culture and they don't know how much it eats these students, uh, you know, they, they just feel like when once we pay the school fees, you are, you, are, you are sorted. So, yeah, so the program was just to clothe students from Madare, uh, where I would mobilize my friends to donate, you know, fabrics. Uh, I also mobilized the community tailors to make these uniforms for these students for free uh, as volunteers. But with time now, it, it became bigger than Madare. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I realized that this was not just a Madare problem. It was not a Madare challenge, even in the rural areas. People were going to school with torn uniforms. So well, we, we decided to work with different organizations and companies who wanted to do a CSR to support students. So, so yeah, so that is why uh, I'm called Mr. Pichauchi. And we've been able to do over 10,000 students, uh, cover over 10,000 students. and. And this is something I'm so passionate about. So even the life ahead of me, I I I feel I I wanna do more than a million uh, uniforms. So my target is just to provide you a million uniforms to students. So still, you know, having the baby steps, but I I, I believe I'll be able to deliver a million uniforms to the students. Okay, and so you are saying now this is this is happening at the national at the national level. How do you decide? um which places to go to because you know as you say the, the i mean the country is big and and the problems are are massive um how do you choose which communities to engage with or which schools to engage with so first we used to just to do it randomly we because you can only go to where you know so we we started by the volunteers that we were working with all of them all of us have a real a rural uh, home so we do them at the rural homes. And then with time now, we opened it up to the public. So people would, would, would tell guys to take pictures of, 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 of a school and the students who are, torn, who, have torn, who are going to school with the torn school uniforms. So if we see uh, the schools that, are, you know, that looks worse, then we would choose the schools. But also because we were working with, uh, with supporters, we were working with donors, we were working with companies who want to do CSR, so we would let them, you know, choose their areas of operation or area of interest. So once they choose, we have a, a research team who would go to that area and look at the, the most affected schools or school 
then those are the schools that we would do. I hope uh, that we create a policy that, you know, helps provide you students with school uniforms so that it doesn't become a burden to the parents. I, I hope the government, I know the government is, is capable of doing that, but somebody has to remind them that this is a, this is a national disaster, this is a national problem, so that we are able to come up with a, with a, with a solution that collectively makes all the students equal but if you are if you if you are battling with the with the self-esteem with the confidence challenges uh as a, as a student then you know it at at some at some point you know there's no equality uh when you're sitting for your exams or when when you're engaging on on the national examinations yeah so um i want us to go a little bit back to to the music conversation um because you you mentioned earlier that the children who are following you around um you know some of them became the first um you know the first members so to speak or the first beneficiaries of the billion music family um and by the way if i remember right i think i met you at some point in the early stages of um of, of this billion music family um what happened to them what became of them how did you know how how are they now in relation to um to where they were when they started with the with the billion music family uh because as i mentioned for me it was not just a music uh for me it was you know education entertainment so so what we were doing was you know all the kids that were going through the program that you know were loyal to the program were getting even scholarships to go to high school so i have one student who is now a producer uh, a music producer i have uh, i have other students who are in the at the university there's one that's just joined she's so brilliant she she's doing um she's now studying journalism um i have two at nairobi university who are also doing engineering uh, so we're all over the place but a lot of them a good percentage are doing well. We have some that have been killed by the police too, you know, uh, because things didn't work out for them. Uh, I think, yeah. So, so yeah. But I, I, I am, I am so happy that you know, through this, we were able to change a couple of lives that we can, we can look and say, you know, that is a product of the billion music family. But we also had our fair share of challenges we have we have a couple of them who had been gunned down by the police and and some of them were also in just in in, in madara in the streets um it doesn't make me proud but I, I i think i look at the positive side that if i we had if the billion music family had not existed maybe all of them would have been somewhere that is not uh desirable yeah well and i mean it's Billy, the the organization you run is is a small organization compared to to the measure of the problems that exist in in any society in any place um let alone in in in, in a complicated place such as such as madare um so the fact that there are people whose lives are impacted positively already matters and that you know it's a recognition that there will be still more to be done if we are to make our societies and our communities fairer um, and, and more just. I also know that you did quite a lot of 
work and a lot of interventions during this COVID period. Um, because I've been seeing it on social media, you had very many different kinds of interventions that you run. Um, do you mind sharing some of this, or, or just letting us know what some yes. of these um, programs were that that you ran to help the community respond to COVID? Yes, yes. Uh, as an organization, I think when I started, I said, you know, some of the things that we do is to identify challenges and provide solutions to the challenges. So when, you know, when, when COVID happened, we always say when COVID happened, when COVID happened, it came with a lot of challenges. Uh, one, uh, if you look at our community, uh, if you look at sanitation, if you look at the housing, uh, we were facing so many challenges. You know, the water, there's no running water, there's no reliable water. So what we did as an organization, we reorganized ourselves and, and, and looked at some of the challenges and some of the things that we could do for our community. And, and one, we started by working with our women tailors to make, to make masks for, for the community, for the general public to provide masks for free so that everybody could have a mask, uh, especially a, a reusable mask. Uh, then the second one was, was water because there was a water challenge in, in Madare. So we looked at, we mapped out the areas that doesn't have, you know, uh, water. So through partnerships, through, organizing uh, and mobilizing other Madarians who are in diaspora, we were able to provide water regularly to to our community. Uh, we also made soap because we had to wash our hands and, 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 and soap is a, is a challenge. So we organized also women who make soaps to be able to make soap for the community. Uh, when the food was a problem because guys were not working, we also came up with a voucher, a voucher system where we provided people with food, but now we were buying food from the local uh, shopkeepers. So they would use vouchers to redeem to, to redeem and, and get food from just the local uh, shops as a way of also promoting and, and making sure that, you know, these shopkeepers stay in business. So local problems, local solutions. So, and then for our students, because a lot of, uh, students from established schools were still having their online classes. So what we did as an organization also, because we knew they were, we were going to, these students are going to compete uh, in the national examinations and, and the, the government won't care whether you are home or you are having online classes. So we created an online platform <clears throat> where a couple of teachers volunteered to give uh, virtual uh, lessons. Uh, revisions, uh, especially in sciences. So my friends who are teachers were able to, you know, donate one hour of their time because they were just home to give uh, virtual classes. So we had uh, our hall uh, that the students would come and sit, but also through partnerships, we were able to give students the buy data for the students who had smartphones and they would still join the classes from home. So, so yeah, so those are some of the interventions that we came up with to try and protect our, our community. And it has gone a long way. I think when I walk around, I still see guys with the masks. Uh, I still see guys wearing the, the t-shirts because, uh, the pro the program, uh, employed over 180 youths from, from the community who are not, you know, by then who are not working, but now through that, they were able also to support their families. So yeah, so those are some of the interventions that we came up with during the COVID-19.
Yeah, and I mean the the pandemic is still is still going on, so we are not out of the woods yet. Um, but so you've done this for a while now, you know this um, community organizing, community mobilizing. One of the things I would be interested in is what are some of the key lessons that you've learned from you know the years of working on on these programs about how the some of the problems that face um the urban poor and those who live in places like like Madare um what are some of the things you've learned that you think this is these are some ways that we can solve some of these problems uh local problems local solutions uh i i can say uh, that you know the Madarians, the people in informal settlements, they know their challenges. And if you sit down with them, they also have solutions to those challenges. What they miss is either resources or they miss opportunities to solve those challenges. So that is one thing that I that I, that I know. Uh, the second thing I, I think with Madara, I think is the exposure because some of us, you know, you were born in Madare, you grew up in Madare, you married in Madare, you, you, there's nothing, you know, beyond Madare. So uh, some of us have been able to try and bring change in the community because we got an opportunity to, to be exposed, to see a different life and to desire to live that different life. So through that desire, uh, you know, it has, it has kept us to, you know, keep working hard, keep knocking doors uh more and then the other thing is collaboration i think uh if it was not for collaborations if it was not for you know the support from you know other organizations other individuals other groups we've not been able we would have not been able to to do much that we've done today so as much as we can say that you know local problems local solutions but the resources from other supporters who've seen how intentional we were and, and, and how real we were and, 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 and how thirsty we were to see the change uh, happen in our communities have been able to uh, have been able to help us to you know do the much that we've been able to do in the in the in the community. So so generally that is what I I would I would say. But I think um, in terms of leadership also I would say, you know, if we have we had good leaders who really understand the challenges, who listen to the common people, then we would not be we would not see Madara to be where it is right now. We would we would we'd see a lot of a lot of changes in the community. So so there's also a leadership gap. There's a, there's a gap between the leaders and the and, and the and the people. So those are some of the things that I have have really learned during during the 10 years that I've served as a community mobilizer. Um, you have often highlighted, and you've just stated it again, that you you are convinced that one of the biggest problems facing the, the community in Madare is, is, is poor leadership, right? Um, tell me a bit about this and, and, and why you're convinced about that. First of all, you know, you can only solve uh, problems of people if you understand the problem. So uh, we've been electing, especially in Madara, I'll talk about the elective leaders, uh, the elected leaders. So we've been electing people who are from outside. So they don't relate with any challenge. They, if you tell them that you, you know, some people can go, can sleep hungry, they, they, they can't relate at all at all. 
so so that is you know the base of 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 of, of our challenges of our problems we we have the madare uh cdf fund um they've suspended the accounts they've suspended all the activities why because of corruption people are looting money from from that that are supposed to help the community so anytime that i read a story that you know money has been stolen i just relate with the 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 stu- the, the, the the youths that have you know died out of you know the police um the the, the, the police the killings by the by the police so our biggest challenge in in madara is, is leadership and right now we are trying to fix that by having a leader who really understands and relate with the challenges in in the community and is also able to knock models to because the challenges of madare cannot just be solved by the cdf money somebody needs to be more aggressive to open doors to to bring other partners to support the development and the growth of madare so so yeah so <clears throat> we have a problem with leadership so this is this is an interesting one because um you yourself have run for mp of madare before um tell me a bit more about about this and you know your um, experience of of running for political office so the first time that i ran for for an office was in 2014 during a by election <clears throat> in madare and what motivated me to run for the office was because you know i look at the list of the aspirants the people who are running and and none of them was for madare so i i was really pissed that you know our mothers work so hard to take us to school our mothers pray for us every day uh, our mothers hope that we can we can take charge of our community and nobody was stepping up so so that is why i decided to run uh, my experience was was ugly but also with a lot of lessons it it shaped the person i am today uh, and and because one i didn't have money at all at all i i i talked to for me i just wanted to make even if it's five posters uh, to be out there i just wanted to be on the ballot that was my my biggest dream uh because politics especially in slums are expensive uh because of you know people are going through a lot of challenges so we don't think straight we think about what is there for us at that particular time so i mobilized my friends uh guys did posters for me guys did t-shirts for me and i didn't even have money to to put the posters i would put the posters myself at night would wear a hoodie and and go put the posters and i remember one night i went to a mlango kubo ward and the youth were like you know they are inspired by what i was doing but they were saying we've not been able to see billion yeah we'd really love to meet billion and not knowing that they were speaking to billion who was putting up the posters and i used to have very few posters and there was a game of removing posters so guys would remove the opponents would remove each other's posters but because i was i was <laughs> i think they didn't consider me a threat they would just leave my posters um posters there so it was so challenging um i didn't have a wife uh, which was also a determinant a big a huge determinant and i would hire a friend to act as my wife when we go for church services uh i remember when now the last minute when we were supposed to have you know the agent we we would they needed over 200 agents if you are paying them 1000 each 
without giving the food, you would pay over two hundred thousand shillings for the agents. So it was it was a lot for me. It was it was a lesson for me, and and then uh, after that, now I decided to join a political party to be able to get to learn more uh, uh, about the things that happens in in the in the in politics because. Before then, I'd never been involved in in, in 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 politics at all, at all, at all. What are some of the 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 lessons you learned about about politics there? <clears throat> yeah, I I think one I I had a, a good platform because I was a national youth leader for a big political party. Uh, but some of the things that I learned from political parties one that young people are not taken seriously in political parties, and even. I was ambitious. I I already ran for an office, so I needed a, a a place where I could grow my ambition as a as a, as as a young leader. But still, they would, they would still want us to be, you know, the errand boys, the people who put posters, the people who hung around the politicians, the people who provide security. But for me, I, I went there to learn to be a better leader. I didn't want to make the mistakes that other young people that I elected in the office make. But we didn't get. I didn't get a mentor in that space, uh, but I was looking for a mentor. But what I can appreciate that within that platform, I was able to, you know, understand that, you know, I was not going to get anything, but I was going to share the experience that I had with other young people. So I made the youth wing a better youth wing by opening up the youth wing to the village, uh, other village young leaders who wanted to join political parties, being able to uh, help them and I had a big one of the biggest fight with the political with my political party before resigning because I thought for us as leaders is we were looking also for opportunities. So I remember when there was a by election in in one of the constituencies in the city, I forwarded one of our young leaders who was a secretary general and he was coming from that area to run for the office. But our party, the old guards in the party was not, were not happy with that. And and uh, being a rebel that sometimes I can be, uh, I used my small money and small connection to print posters. And we did a, a, a road show around the place. And we had organized for the media to come so that he could uh, declare that he was running. And, and, and you know, the party decided to call the media's houses to say that we don't have a we don't have a candidate in that constituency. So for me, that really killed me because I realized, you know, whatever is done to a fellow young person can easily be done to me. It would always be sacrificed. So I said, now I I'll I'll just have an exit plan. So an exit plan is come settle in the community and forget about the national politics, but now concentrate on, on the local Madare politics. Yeah, so the big parties, they have the owners, uh, they have the go gatekeepers who really monitors what happens. Uh, and also we have people who are hanging around to be nominated. So there's no space for, for, for young people in most of these political parties. Yeah. That's some interesting insight there, um, because those are some things we don't we don't really get to hear to hear a lot. As far as I understand it, you have decided that you're going to run again in the forthcoming election. Um, how is that going? Uh, I think I have never been uh, prepared as I am today. I've never been psychologically, mentally, uh, emotionally 
prepared uh, more than I am today. And, 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 and that is a motivation because any day that I wake up, I want to see a better community. I want to see a better Madare. I want to, I want to fix some of the, you know, some of the challenges that have been there because of, of leadership problems. So, and, and it's not something that you just sit pretty and, and wait for them to happen. So you have to get dirty, you have to get out every day, you have to bother people. I, I have been bothering you too. So I decided to take that shot for my community, bother people, you know, get dirty, uh, being able to, you know, bring my my, my family into the middle of this. But I, I am so hopeful that, you know, one, I am ready. I have enough networks to help elevate my community from where it is to, to the next level. Uh, I have good experience. I have been to, you know, leadership uh, programs, a lot of them that have been able to shape the, the way I look at leadership. So I'm not just doing it because I am young. I'm not just doing it because I am from Adare, but I'm doing it because I feel I am ready enough to to take that shot for, for my community. And yes, I am running in 2022. Uh, I have set up a campaign, a campaign team. I am I have set up different things that have never been done. So I, I just want to make, because there is a myth that the people of Madare doesn't or can't elect one of their own, because one, uh, they see you like you will make it more than them, or you you don't have enough money to compete. So I am trying to make sure that I, I seal all these loopholes so they don't see me as somebody from Madari, but they see me as an, a competent young person who who is ready to 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 take the, the community to the next level so i that's why i bug i bug a lot of people so that i can look like i have money <laughs> even if it's from other people i can i can do the things that our competitors are doing so so that i don't they don't they don't look at me at washe let's just do it for him but i want to be as competitive as anybody else um, do you feel that this marks a, a shift from being, you know, a community mobilizer, community organizer to, to being a politician? Or do you think that the two things go together? I think the two things goes together. I think I have been serving a community of 300 or 500 at the center uh and 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 many times uh the farmer mothers would walk in they're looking for bursaries the mothers would walk in because their kids are sick they you know the the challenges that you know they they've seen me as they look at me as a leader so for me what i want to do is just to open the circle i want to be able to have more influence to do more uh, i want to have more influence to knock more doors i want to have influence to dictate how things happen in our in, in our community through involving other community players. So I, I don't see any big difference. I just want to serve. Uh, and and, and the, the change is just that it's it's now politics. I have to, to compete. But I, I want to be the same billion that I have been to my community. And for me, it's not even about politics. For me, I'm just looking at, you know, I want to open the circle, the ripple effect. I want to be it to be bigger than what I have been doing. Uh, and for me to do that, I need capacity. And the capacity comes with the with the government, with the elective position, with the resources from the government that have always been misused by by the people who've been in those spaces. So I want to make sure that the resources that are meant for the people of Madare 
uh, are well utilized to serve the people of Madare so that small organizations like the Billion Music Family don't have to stretch much. They just do what they can do, but they don't overdo things because there's a leadership failure in the community. So, yeah, there's no big difference. I, I, I think I don't even feel it. I only, it's only that I have to campaign. And uh, and when I meet the Wazis, they tell me you have to have goons. In my office, I don't have goons. So so that is just the, the, the small shift that, you know, now I have to be more careful. Uh, I have to, to be a little polished. But, uh, yeah, it's just the same thing. <laughs> uh, interesting. That polishing point is is very interesting. <laughs> which, which makes me wonder, which is... Um, whether this is the reason why people will easily vote for someone from elsewhere because they have a sense in their mind of of what a Mheshimiwa um, should look like. I remember, and you know this, I've worked in, in, in politics before, and and I held some fairly senior positions, and I, you know, not elected, but, you know, within, within a campaign. And people... Sometimes, you know, people kept telling me, you need to grow a bit bigger so that people can take you a bit more seriously. And, you know, because there's a sense of if you're holding a big position, um, then your appearance must also signal that, which I find I find rather odd. But um, it is what it is. Um, yeah. Anyway, I want us to, to bring this conversation to an end by talking about something which is fairly serious and, and, and you and I have discussed this, which is that all this work you do, um, and, and I know this also partly from having worked in, in politics, but I think it's even more um, significant in your, in your case. Um, all this work you do comes at, um, at a cost. In, in many different ways. There are multiple costs that, that, that one has to pay. Um, but in particular, I want us to talk about mental health. Um, and I want to get into this conversation by, you know, recalling an, a situation where one day we woke up to breaking news that Billion Ojiwa has gone missing. And this this was a crisis. I remember actually where I was sitting in a in a workshop in a hotel in Nairobi, and it wasn't um, it was a very unnerving kind of kind of thing to to come across, especially because if I remember right, it was around the same time that Caroline Mother, um, the human rights defender, had also gone missing, um, and and sadly she was she was later found um, found dead. So you can imagine the kind of panic. And I mean, you don't need to imagine this because I'm sure you know this from the feedback that you've got from your friends. Um, tell me what exactly happened? What was going on? And, you know, to begin with, we are like, we are happy that, you know, you turned up safe. But what, what happened? You know, uh, I think some of the things that we take lightly are mental health, uh, mm. especially if you are working in a space where every single day you listen to the challenges that people are going through so we we are like a doctor yeah so every day you you know i'm hurt here i can't and 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 i think every week i have to watch two or three or four women cry you know shed tears because of the challenges they're going through and maybe because i am not even able to solve that problem 
so so that can sometimes accumulate and 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 and, and can eat you so so yeah so i i, I had a um a, a breakdown uh, at some point and you know i i really feel bad that i had to you know put my family into the things that were happening i didn't want to drag them into uh, into it uh, especially my my lovely wife uh but now the decision that i made also it even made it even worse for her, for for her because for me i thought i was just taking a break for myself but i didn't know that break was a national break for was going to be a, a breaking news for, uh, nationally uh, i thought i was a small you know a small fish but the love uh from people who I have worked with for my friends uh and even for my family you know made people to to be worried about it and 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 for me that was a turning point and a lesson that i learned and i know when to say no and when to say yes even right now because i know politics is so engaging i, I was kind of overwhelmed because you know there, there was work uh there was family uh i just got back from the us uh from a tra- a, a, a program so the expectations were high so there was just too much pressure uh and now so i decided to by myself to leave everything leave my phones um leave the car and just to take a you know a bus to a retreat center because i thought that would be a solution for me i needed to just because some i i can be very spiritual so i just needed to pray and 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 fast and uh and just unwind so so yeah so i went i checked myself into a retreat center uh just to relax but you know outside there was fire so after the retreat center when i came out everybody was looking for me and at the retreat center because i was not watching tv uh it was also you know nobody was everybody was minding their business so they didn't even care who was there so even no one expected that you know would have such a scenarios so yeah so i yep i checked myself into into a retreat center to be able to relax we are glad that that, that you were safe and and um, and also that that signals as much as it comes at a cost to you and to everybody else like it signals the importance of of taking mental health issues seriously um so obviously i've got to ask you this question which is how are you taking care of yourself now because i know there will be many people who are listening to to this episode who will be surprised at this conversation um but then who will also probably be going through you know some difficulties with regard to mental health and it's always nice to share some of the things that you know we found to to be working um and which are helping us so you know what are some of those things that are working for you yeah so i think one of the things that are working for me is uh i i learned to say no so i don't have to overstretch so i just i know my limits uh i know what i can do i know what i can't do so you know before then you know i was just a yes 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 person i i have a soft spot for anything for everything for everyone so i would listen to everyone even the things that i can't solve i would go out of my way to try and solve so i think those were eating me so much so i decided to know you know what i can do and what i can't do 
uh, I have slowed down. Uh, I used to do go to the gym. The, the, we, have, we have a gym around and I used to go to the gym. But now I think there have been so much that are happening. So I barely get time for the gym. Uh, I do runs uh, during the holidays when we have football in Madari. I go play the football. But I most importantly, I think I take a rest on Monday. So Mondays I would just sleep. I I eat breakfast at 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 noon. I that's when I get to to eat. So I just take time off. And sometimes, uh, I know it is not the best that I can do. But sometimes I even switch off my phone, uh, just to take a break from from everyone. I always believe that you know, uh, anybody who's looking for me can get help somewhere else too. So I, I don't think I am the answer to every problem. So those are some of the things that I I have learned. So I would switch off my phone and relax. If I have work that I need to concentrate on, I would also block other things and just concentrate on the work. So so that is how I have been able to, you know, cope. I hope I could do more. Uh, I hope I could have a, a, another hobby. Uh, now that I don't drink, uh, that I would unwind by 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 drinking like some of us uh, do. <coughs> but yeah, I take water and uh, and enjoy my water and, and, and Red Bull. Some people also take lovely evening walks as a way to unwind from you know from tough and and, and difficult days. Um, Billion, thank you very much for for joining me and I wish you all the best with the 2022 plans and hope to have you again here to discuss these things even further. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and uh, I do really appreciate it. I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, I was able to get the platform to to express myself on behalf of my people. Yeah. Thanks for listening. In case you have any questions or comments or guest and topic recommendations, please email me on kamau.wairuri at outlook.com or find me on Twitter or Instagram. You can also help the podcast grow by rating us wherever you get your podcasts and sharing with others who might find it interesting. Till next time, goodbye.